City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Now, folks, if Paul were alive today, he would never see things the way that these naive Christians see things. He would warn us against such false teachers and false teaching, just as he warned the Galatians. In fact, consider this, that Paul's warning to the Galatians about the negative effects the Judaizers were having upon them, that is God's warning to us about the negative effects that any false teacher can have upon us today. In today's class of Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, begins a three-part message on the negative effects of false teachers. Steve will show how false teachers hinder believers from obeying God. At the end of our class, I will tell you how you can get a copy of this important lesson from Galatians chapter 5. Open your Bible to that New Testament book. Here with our study is Pastor Steve. I invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read to you verses 7 through 12. Galatians 5, starting at verse 7, Paul writes, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will obey, or you will rather adopt, No other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Some of the strongest language that Jesus ever uttered was reserved for religious false teachers. He called the Pharisees of his day those who misled the Jewish people by teaching salvation by human effort and works. He called them hypocrites, blind guides, fools, and even serpents. And he told them in Matthew 23, 33, that they would not escape the sentence of hell. Now, in an age that applauds religious tolerance and political correctness, Christ's scathing words of condemnation against the Pharisees sound harsh to us and almost mean-spirited. But they aren't, not at all, because Jesus knew the damning effects that the Pharisees had upon the Jewish people of his day. He said that they made their followers sons of hell and that they shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. And so in speaking out against these men, the Lord was actually demonstrating his great love for the nation of Israel by warning them that their spiritual leaders were not godly men. They were dangerous men who were not to be followed at all. They were to be avoided. Likewise, today, in our study of Galatians, we have come to a passage in which the Apostle Paul has some very hard and strong things to say against false teachers, those who were troubling the Galatians. And one verse in particular stands out as a verse that has come under intense scrutiny for how harsh It sounds, notice verse 12 of the passage that I just read to you. Paul said, I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Now, these are indeed strange-sounding words 
coming from the pen of the Apostle Paul because he is actually expressing the desire that the Judaizers, those false teachers, troubling the Galatians, would castrate themselves. That's what he means by this. In other words, he's saying, I wish that those who tell you that circumcision is necessary for your salvation would go all the way with their own bodies and emasculate themselves. Now, this is strong, sarcastic language. And Paul's been criticized by some for writing this, and his words have raised a few eyebrows. One writer said that his words sound, and I quote, savage to the postmodern ear. Another said that his sentiment sounds to our ears both coarse and malicious. Still another has called these words of Paul the crudest and rudest expressions found in any of the apostles' letters. So what are we to think of Paul? I know what, what I thought as I was studying this and thinking about teaching this. They didn't tell me at Bible college I'd ever be teaching about castration. Nobody warned me about that. But what are we to think? of Paul's words in light of these criticisms, simply that these accusations against the apostle are baseless, baseless. See, Paul was neither being malicious nor rude in wishing that the Judaizers would castrate themselves. Paul was doing the same thing, really, that Jesus did with the Pharisees. He was expressing righteous indignation against those who were corrupting the purity of the gospel of grace, and we're doing great spiritual harm to the Galatians, whom the Apostle Paul loved those folks dearly. And when one looks closer at this verse, as we will today, we'll see that Paul's desire for the Judaizers was not crude at all, but it was actually a sarcastic jab that really related to the religious culture of that day. The Galatians knew exactly what the Apostle meant. And so far from criticizing Paul, we ought to actually be commending him for speaking out so boldly against those who were enemies of the, the cross and enemies of God's people. William Hendrickson, a noted Bible scholar of a generation ago, recognized the righteousness behind the apostles' words. And so in defense of Paul's desires for the Judaizers' castration, here's what Hendrickson wrote. He said, accordingly, instead of saying, shame on you, Paul, for wishing such a thing, should we not rather say shame on ourselves? For when in our day and age the soundness of the gospel is being sacrificed upon the altar of ecumenism, and when ever so many people are being led astray by a so-called gospel that recognizes no contrast between the saved and the unsaved, but only the brotherhood of all men, as if in a redemptive sense all men were brothers, our own cheeks have lost the ability to glow with righteous indignation. So we ought to applaud the apostle and not criticize him. Now, if we properly understand just how dangerous the Judaizers actually were to the Galatians and the great harm that all false teachers pose for Christians today, then folks, we're going to have a new appreciation for the strong language Paul used in connection with these men. See, in this passage before us, Paul describes the negative effects. This is the message of this passage. He describes the negative effects that the Judaizers were having upon the Galatians, having just warned the Galatians about the danger that they would put themselves in if they abandoned the message of salvation by faith alone in Christ for a, for a message of religious legalism. Remember, we saw that last week that Paul said, look, if you take, undergo the rite of circumcision, thinking that that will justify you, then Christ will be of no benefit to you because you'll be placing your trust in something in addition to Christ. And that's not genuine salvation. So having warned them 
about abandoning the message of grace for the message of religious legalism, Paul now focuses on the men who brought them this message of salvation by works. And he shows the Galatians just how dangerous they they really are. So what Paul does in this passage is informs the Galatians about these negative effects that the Judaizers had, and we're still having upon them. Now, as we go through these verses, we're going to see that Paul highlights four negative effects the Judaizers were having on the Galatians. And then, having stated these four negative effects, he ends his arguments against them by stating his own personal opposition to these men with those passionate remarks about his desire for their their radical mutilation. Now, we need to understand that although Paul's words were primarily intended to denounce the Judaizers of the first century and to warn the Galatians about the damaging impact these men were having upon them, Paul's words also serve us today. They are very relevant for us, and they serve us because what Paul had to say about the Judaizers applies to all false teachers who deny the gospel of Jesus Christ in every era and every situation from ancient to modern times. This is something that's vital for all of us to understand and know because many Christians are not aware of the dangers that false teachers pose to them. They are naive about this. And the proof of this is that we can be so careless in exposing ourselves to the errors of those who would deny the gospel and the message of the cross. We're not talking about secondary issues now. We're talking about denying the gospel, the cross, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. For instance, instead of refusing to listen to false teachers who come to your door and want to engage you in a religious discussion, as Scripture says, you are not to do that, there are some believers who think nothing of sitting down with such heretics and having a Bible study with them. You share a little bit, I'll share a little bit, and that's wrong. In doing so, this naive Christian gives these folks a platform to express their errors and and runs the risk of becoming very confused by such deception. Do you realize the Apostle John has already addressed this? In 2 John, he mentions this very issue. Listen to the Word of God. 2 John, verse 9 through 11, verses 9 through 11. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The teaching of Christ is not the teaching that Jesus did. It involves that, but it is about Christ. It's about his deity, his full humanity, the message of the cross, who he is. The person who does not abide in the teaching, meaning about Christ, does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone, notice this, comes to you and does not bring this teaching, this teaching about Jesus Christ being not only the Son of God, but God the Son, and the message of salvation by grace, do not receive that person into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. John says, if somebody comes to you and wants some hospitality, you to invite them in, give them a platform to share their views, their religious views, don't do it. Don't support them. Don't have a Bible study with them. He's not saying be rude. He's not saying be discourteous, but do not participate in any way. Don't let your home be a place for heresy to be dispersed. There are other Christians who see nothing wrong in attending a church where the doctrinal statement very clearly says that that 
church believes that baptism is necessary for salvation. They are perfectly content to stay in a church like that as long as the preacher is dynamic and interesting and the people are generally friendly. And there are still other Christians who are so naive as to believe that the errors of Roman Catholicism are relatively minor and that in the end we should just embrace Catholics as our brothers and sisters in Christ and even participate in religious gatherings with them. And there are still other believers who fail to see the danger of listening to Joel Osteen and men like him. In fact, they think that listening to him is a good thing because he gives such positive, feel-good messages, even though he does not preach about sin or the gospel and believes, as he recently said, that Mormons are Christians simply because they say that Jesus is their Savior. Now, folks, if Paul were alive today, he would never see things the way that these naive Christians see things. He would warn us against such false teachers and false teaching, just as he warned the Galatians. In fact, consider this, that Paul's warning to the Galatians about the negative effects the Judaizers were having upon them, that is God's warning to us about the negative effects that any false teacher can have upon us today. Now, just so there's no misunderstanding about what Paul is teaching here in Galatians 5 and what I'm about to apply to us, I want us to be very clear that by definition, a false teacher, by biblical definition, a false teacher is someone who, like the Judaizers, denies the gospel and all the individual doctrines that make up the gospel message. We're not talking about secondary minor issues now. We're not talking about differences in the mode of baptism. We're not talking about differences in our prophetic views, differences in church government. We're not talking about that. We're talking about truths like the deity of Christ, justification by faith alone, man's sinful and lost condition, God's holiness that demands that his wrath be poured out upon sin, and man's need for repentance, which is a forsaking of sin as they come running to Christ to trust him. If a religious teacher denies these tenets, then he, by by God's definition, is a false teacher, and therefore he is to be avoided and not listened to because he's dangerous and will negatively impact your life. Now, where is this found in the Bible? Well, many places, but one in particular is Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Paul says, now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching of which you learn, and turn away from them. Paul says, anyone who comes to you and and is contradicting apostolic doctrine, turn away from them. For such men, he writes, are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the heart of the unsuspecting. So do not be one of those unsuspecting ones. Don't listen to false teachers. Now, as I've already said, here in our passage in Galatians 5, Paul explains why we shouldn't listen to false teachers as he he teaches us about just how dangerous false teachers are by revealing to the Galatians that the Judaizers were having four negative effects upon them. So let's get into our, our passage, these verses, and discover each of these negative effects and how they apply to us. According to Paul, the first negative effect false teachers have upon believers is that, number one, they hinder believers from obeying God. Verse 7, you are running well. 
Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, Paul begins this passage by using the figure of a, of a race, a foot race, to describe the Christian life. He says, you were running well. Paul must have been very fond of sports, especially running, because he, he often used metaphors from the world of athletics to speak of, of various aspects of our relationship with Christ. For example, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, and 2 Timothy 4, 7, the apostle spoke of completing his ministry as if he was completing a race. He speaks of finishing my course as if he's going across the finish line, breaking the tape. Finishing my course, meaning that he was determined to be obedient to God's will for his life, the very course of his life that God had set before him, even if it cost him his life. Finishing my course. At the end of 1 Corinthians 9, Paul, in speaking of the Christian life, says that all believers, not just those in full-time ministry, but all believers are involved in running a race. The Christian life is a race. Therefore, he says we are to run as to win. Now, he doesn't mean like a literal race that there's only one winner in the sense of whoever finishes first. Paul says that all of us are to win, and then he explains what it means in God's view to win this race. It is to live a disciplined life, to control our our bodily appetites, to refuse to be controlled by physical desires, to beat your body is the other analogy, Paul says. He's a runner. He's also a boxer. He beats himself up, but running the race. In Galatians 2.2, 2, here in this, this book, Paul had already described his ministry of spreading the gospel among the Gentiles as their apostle. He calls it running. He said, I hope I have not run in vain in the sense of he wants to make sure he's been unhindered and making progress and that the Gentiles really are accepting Christ. Now, here in Galatians 5, the apostle once again likens the Christian life to running, and he tells the Galatians that they were, notice this, not simply running. Notice what the text says, but running well. And what does he mean by this? How does one run well in the Christian life? Well, Paul explains what he means to run well by the last phrase found in verse 7. He calls it obeying the truth. In other words, right after the Galatians heard the gospel from Paul and placed their trust in Christ for salvation, the gun, as it were, went off. And they began their Christian lives by pursuing obedience to the Lord. That is to say that upon receiving Christ, they immediately shot out of the, the blocks and began running hard by obeying the word of God. Now, I want us to pause here for a few minutes to just consider this most vital of biblical truths. I want you to notice and take to heart that according to Paul, the Christian life is a life of obedience to the Lord and his word. It is not simply believing certain truths found in the Bible. It is obeying those truths. Christianity is more than, than being orthodox and sound in our doctrine. I mean, it is that, but it's more than that. It involves applying the truths of those doctrines to our daily lives by obeying them, by implementing them. Our faith is not merely agreeing intellectually with the truths found in the Bible. It is about implementing those truths daily. It is about connecting the dots, 
so that we don't separate what we believe from how we behave and how we think. See, there are many who claim to believe in Christ, but obedience to the word of God is just, it's a foreign concept. It's a foreign concept to their daily experience. It's almost as if, in fact, in many cases, it may very well be like this, as if it has never dawned on them that Christianity is about practicing and following Christ, what the Bible teaches. So that as someone so aptly put it, Christianity is not simply something we know, it's something we do. It's not merely a belief system or a moral code, it is theology that comes to life. But for some, it has never never dawned on them that, oh, they're supposed to practice what the Bible says. Now, the question is, is that true of you? As you examine your heart, is your daily conduct so impacted by what Scripture says that it can be said of you that you are running well in the Christian life? We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about a life characterized by obedience to the Word of God, that when you come to Scripture, it isn't just to gain information, it is to gain information so that you can please God by obeying his revelation. So are you running well? Could that be said of you? Paul was able to say this about the Galatians. He said that they got off to a good start in their relationship with Christ. They understood that Jesus had liberated them from the bondage of pagan idolatry, and they were enjoying initially their freedom in Christ by obeying the word of God out of a desire to simply please and honor him. They were like Eric Little, the great Scottish runner who in the movie Chariots of Fire is quoted as saying, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Well, the Galatians were running well, and they also were feeling the Lord's pleasure as they were obeying him from the heart. But then something happened. Something happened. Paul says something happened that hindered their running. Notice once again, verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, Paul is simply raising this question in a rhetorical sense because he knows very well who hindered them. He knows that it was the legalistic Judaizers from Jerusalem. Sometime after Paul had left the believers of Galatia, these men from Jerusalem visited the area and they started contradicting what Paul had taught the Galatians. They started telling them, no, that's not right. It's not, it's not just believing in Jesus. You have to be circumcised. You have to obey all the Old Testament laws if you really want to be saved. And Paul says that in telling them this error, these Judaizers actually hindered the Galatians from obeying the truth. Now, when Paul says that they were hindered, he is using the imagery, folks, of getting off course in their run. In other words, instead of obeying the Lord out of love and gratitude for his remarkable, amazing grace and salvation, they were now focusing their thoughts on such things as circumcision and observing the Jewish feasts and calendar days and eating only kosher foods and all the other laws that they thought they needed to be saved. This is pure legalism. And Paul tells the Galatians that the Judaizers are guilty of throwing you off course and putting an obstacle in your path so that you are no longer running well. He's saying that the Judaizers have put an obstacle, some some obstruction in their running lane so that they may still indeed be moving, maybe even calling it running, but you're running in the wrong lane. 
running in the wrong lane. You're not obeying the Lord. In fact, you're, you're going in the opposite direction now. Pastor Steve will continue this study on our next Verse by Verse. If you would like to listen to this class again, go to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and click on the Message Archive tab. You may also order a CD with all three parts of this study by calling Verse by Verse at 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are supported by interested friends like you who have first been faithful to their own local church. If you would like to be a partner in these Bible studies by Pastor Steve Kreloff, Call us at 727-239-0306. Or you may give online at versebyverseradio, that's all one word, dot O-R-G, and clicking on the giving tab. Your prayers and financial gifts are vitally important to this ministry. 